All right, so back to cutting room floor. Um, did a Q&A this weekend. One of the questions we didn't uh, tackle was around sort of the law and specifically what translates into modern days. Mm -hmm. How do we take these Old Testament laws and as New Testament believers, like relate to them? For sure. Are they like yesterday's newspaper and we just toss it? Yeah. Are they meant to be like held quote unquote religiously? Yeah. What do we do? Exactly. With yeah. Them? How to navigate through that. Because on one level, right, some of the classic examples, there's laws prohibiting Israel from eating shellfish and yeah. bacon. There's like, you can't have tattoos. Yeah. You're in trouble. And like, I'm in trouble, right? <laughs> like, so I don't believe I'm in sin or you're in sin for having, you know, eating bacon this morning yeah. for breakfast. How dare you? Yeah, you're right. But then how then do we think about like what applies and what doesn't? Totally. And what are some maybe helpful frameworks to think about this? And I think to maybe to start, there's an Old Testament scholar named Christopher Wright who has a really helpful quote, I think. And he says this, the question is therefore not whether the Old Testament law has authority and relevance for us as Christians, but how that given authority is to be earthed and that relevance applied. Got it. And so it's the how question that we're after. And so maybe to start, I kind of have just two proposals that maybe don't line up that maybe aren't the best. And just as a way of saying, this is probably not the best way to look at it. Okay. And then a third, more positive. Okay. This is so you're going to go through three options, two of which... Maybe there's some element of yeah. truth, but you don't love it. And then one that you feel like... Kind of more might. in the ballpark. Yeah, okay. Great. Totally. Yeah. So the first one is probably more... Give me first bad option. For, yeah, first bad option. This is probably <laughs> the worst one out of the three. Is I'll, It's called the Marcionite view, and this is referencing a person back from church history. I was going to say, that's a, that's a ways back. Ways back. Who really wanted nothing to do with the Old Testament, yeah. even portions of the New Testament. So he was sort of the take the Old Testament toss it. All we need is the new Testament. Exactly. And he had the caricature of the old Testament gods, judgmental, angry, and yeah. Jesus is the one that we need to love Got and appreciate it. in recent years though, this is kind of resurfacing a little bit. So there's kind of famous preachers that will say things like we need to unhitch ourselves from the old Testament. Mm. And I think this seems to betray some of Jesus's words in multiple places where he says, I've not come to abolish the yeah. law and the prophets, but to fulfill it. But to fulfill it right. Yeah. And, and how and do so, you fulfill something that you've cast aside? Exactly. Or unhitched yourself yeah. from. And so on one level, I would push against this sort of Marcionite unhitching ourselves in the Old Testament yeah. view and say we really need to hold a unity to the scriptures, in particular because Jesus read and loved these scriptures. Yeah. And he even said himself he came to fulfill them, including the Torah. And so that's kind of the first sort of bad option, the Marcionite yeah. view to kind of divorce Old and New Testament, and especially the law and what we have later on in the New Testament. Kind of the second view is, I'll just kind of call it the tripart view. And this kind of view generally would break down the law into three parts. So you have like the moral law. So this is kind of your ethical instructions yeah. that we might think of, you know, around, you know, forgiveness, love, sexuality, these sorts of things. Then you have the civil law, the second category. And this is kind of more how Israel was to structure their governance, okay. kind of their more political aspect yeah. as a society. And then the third category would be the ceremonial law. And these are things, re you know, re revolving around like the sacrifices yeah. and the more of the religious priestly aspects. And so you have those three kind of categories that people will kind of look at Leviticus and other portions of the Torah and say, you know, we can, for the most part, put these different laws in these three different buckets. So this one's just ceremonial. That yes, doesn't apply. Exactly. And yeah. so what ends up happening is the second two, the civil and the ceremonial, people yeah. would say those two don't apply. They're just cultural. They're cultural or like we don't live in like a kind of religious political state like how yeah. Israel was. Yeah. We obviously don't have the temple anymore. We yeah. can't do the sacrifices. But the ethical commands, the oh, moral those, commands, those connect. those connect and carry over. Okay. And I think what I would say to that is that this is, you know, light years ahead of the Marcionite yeah. view. 
But I think this gets it's you... It's working at integration. It's working integration. It's seeking to like yeah. hold what's true to the scriptures and to say this is one storyline. We're part of this. Yeah. There's a lot here to commend. I think my only kind of question or pushback is that I think this only gets you, I think, number one, about 75, 80% of the way there. Yeah. Really because if you were to go back in time and ask an ancient Israelite, you know, what's a moral law? What's a civil law? What's a ceremonial They'd law? They'd be like, What? And they'd be like, exactly, because they would see this as all, all interconnected. interconnected, right? And yeah. so in our modern context, for better or for worse, we've kind of, you know, done this, you know, yeah. separation of church and state. Even Jesus would probably look exactly. at it and be like, wait, what are you asking? For sure. Totally. Yeah. Even Paul and Jesus. Exactly. Yeah. And so the point here is that, well, I think for the most part, this can be helpful. Yeah. I think it misses on the fact that what is moral, what's civil, what's ceremonial isn't always, even in Leviticus itself, like clear, clear exactly, because yeah. they all integrate uh, together. Yeah. So this kind of leads to maybe a third option that hopefully is a little bit closer to what I think okay. Paul and the New Testament writers are specifically doing when they look back at the Old Testament, Torah in particular. Okay. And I want to kind of start with looking at 2 Timothy 3, and it has a kind of a fairly famous couple lines in here, where Paul, he's talking to Timothy, and he says that the sacred writings that he has been acquainted with from childhood, so the scriptures, okay. are able to make you, number one, wise for salvation. Hmm. So Paul sees the sacred writings of scriptures yeah. Because as, when he says that, the New Testament isn't written. Exactly. Or at least certainly brought together. Brought together, for sure. And so when he says the scriptures, he's talking about the Old Testament. He's talking about the Old Testament, and he says that the scriptures are able to make you wise. So okay. for Paul, they're like wisdom literature. Yeah, so they're, help us understand what that is, right? So that's like... The wisdom literature in the Old Testament specifically yes. would be like Proverbs, the book of Job, Job Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. And so what generally speaking, wisdom literature is not necessarily like, you know, three bullet points of exactly what you have to do. Follow yeah. these steps and out, you know, pops a good moral life. Yeah. Wisdom principles are more, you know, generic to a certain degree. Yeah. They're more applicable to maybe different contexts okay. and different situations. And it's through like prayerful consideration. It's through you know, community and discernment that we then think about how to integrate and apply this to one's life. Okay. Right. So again, it's not like a list of rules follow exactly to yeah, the, it's not the a T, manual. not a manual. I think that's a great way to put it. Yeah. And so on one level, Paul sees the scriptures as wisdom literature. They're, they're more than that, but at a basic level, that's what yeah. Paul sees them at. And so they're wisdom literature that can teach us, he says, verse 16 of chapter three, reprove, correct, and to train us in righteousness. Mm. So there's character formation that's happening yeah. with the scriptures. So kind of keeping that, you know, front and center. Yeah. Let's kind of think about specifically to the Torah or the law. And so what this kind of third option is saying is that let's look at the Torah from this aspect of it being wisdom literature, specifically the kind of what we consider the laws or like the legal yeah. code of the Torah. Because again, we're not, you know, saying no to bacon. We're not saying no to selfish yeah. and, and tattoos. And so what's helpful then is to realize on one level, the law or the Torah, as far as a way that we relate to God, yeah. that has been in the person of Jesus done away with the book of Hebrews. Paul yeah. even makes that pretty clear. He, Paul will say things like we are no longer under law, yeah. but we're under grace. Yeah. But that doesn't mean like, so we might not be offering sacrifices an altar, mm -hmm. but Paul can still write in Romans 12, one, like offer your bodies as a living, living sacrifice. sacrifice. And we can look at those stories as what does it look like? For sure. As sort of wisdom literature to say, what does it look like to live a sacrificial life? Totally for sure. And so I think what, exactly what's happening here is that, the law, the Torah is being repudiated, number one, as covenant, how we relate to God. Okay. Wait, we are under the new covenant, Jesus so repudiated says. repudiated means we're not doing that. We're not doing that, exactly, yeah. for sure. And so we're under the new covenant, blood of Jesus, yeah. the cross, all that stuff that he did at Passover yeah. and on the cross itself. But then the law in for us as Christians 
for the New Testament writers is being reappropriated as wisdom and prophetic literature. Okay. In the sense where just to kind of talk, you know, talking about prophetic literature, there's multiple portions in the Torah that are looking forward to the person of Jesus yeah. and speaking God's word and heart to his people. And then secondly, as wisdom literature, this is exactly what you just mentioned with like Romans 12, being able to look back on the sacrifices in the Old Testament and appropriate that as a wisdom principle, as a way of living in the world today. I think another example in multiple places, I think two in particular in Paul's letters, Paul will quote from the book of Deuteronomy. And there's a line in Deuteronomy about 25 or so where the, the Torah says, do not muzzle an ox as it treads on the grain. And that's very much about agriculture, agriculture right? That applied legally totally in the Torah. It's like, okay, there's a very specific farming principle here. Right here in yeah. the Torah. But then Paul will take that and he will reappropriate that as wisdom in the context of compensating like ministry leaders and mm. those that are serving okay. in the local church or, or missionaries yeah. or whatever. And to say that there is biblical precedent and grounds, yeah. Paul's argument is in these passages to say, do not muzzle an ox while it treads on its grain. A laborer is worthy of his wages. Mm. And he kind of reappropriates that as sort of a wisdom principle in his own context. And I think just seeing this and to recognize that and there's multiple examples we could go through, and I have probably way too much here on the <laughs> on the Word doc here, is to see there's multiple places where Paul will say things, and sometimes it might be confusing to us as readers of the New Testament, where Paul in particular will say things, I'm no longer under the law, but under under grace. Yeah. The law is unable to save. And what he's doing there is, is, I think, highlighting the aspect of law as covenant, the way we relate to God. Yeah. That's the part where because of Jesus and what he's done in his ultimate yeah. sacrifice, that's sort of done away with okay. to an extent. But those same passages can be applied as wisdom for the person of, of that's following Jesus today. Got it. So Paul will then also say things like what happened back then in 1 Corinthians 10 was for our training, was, was to be an example for us that we might not repeat those same mm. sorts of things. So Paul is able to see aspects of the Torah that do not apply as far as how we relate to yeah. God, but then he's also to take those same things and apply them as far as wisdom for one's everyday life in the local churches that he's yeah. serving and ministering to. And this to. is why then we should be studying yes. these parts mm -hmm. of the scriptures because they offer profound wisdom. For exactly. Us. For sure. A hundred percent. And I think that's one of the key takeaways here is that as best we can, although it can be confusing at times, and there's so much more that I you know, would want to say to this, but to recognize that the scriptures, Paul says, are for our wisdom yeah. and that they train us, they teach us, in and there's in righteousness to be the kind of people that represent Christ well in the world. And the That's Old good. Testament Torah has a key part in that. That's so good. thanks, man. Yeah, for awesome. sure.